Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. Gospel reading from the 18th chapter of Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector standing far off would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Oh, but you know, there's there's some people that just hate banks. You know, you've you've all met them, the kind of people that put money in jars or hide it under their mattress. They just hate banks. Well, this guy owed some money to one of his friends, and he gave him a check. He gave this guy a check, and the guy goes, I don't want that. He said, don't worry. He said, that check is from my bank. It's right down the road here. You can just take the check in, give it to the teller. She'll give you the money. I don't have time to go get the money. If you want the money, you have to take the check. So after a little bit of an argument, he finally acquiesced, and he said, okay, I'll take the check. He goes down to the bank, and he uh, brings a check in. He hands it to the teller, and he says to the teller, he's already got a little miffed up. You know, He's kind of a little upset already, and he says to the teller, he says, my friend said, he banks here. He said, if I give you this check, you'll give me the money. No problem. And he said, well, he's absolutely right, sir. There is no problem. Just, just flip it over and sign the back. And he goes, he didn't say to me anything about signing any check. He said, I ain't signed nothing. And he gets mad, and the, and the teller gets all, uh, you know, flustered right away. And she uh, tries to explain to him, it's just an endorsement. It doesn't mean anything. All it does is t- tells us that we gave you the money. And he said, I'm not signing anything pretty soon that gets all riled up and the, and, the, and the manager comes over and tries to calm him down. And, and no matter what they did, he just got ang- angrier and angrier. And finally, he just grabs a check and he storms out the door with it. And he says, I'm going to the bank across the street, see what they do. And so he goes across the street to the bank across the street and he walks up to the teller. And you can see he's already frothing a little bit as he walks up to the teller. And he says to her, he said, he said, this is my friend's check. He said, if I gave you the check, you would give me the money without any problem. And he, she said, she said, well, you have to sign the back. And he starts getting mad again. So she, this little, she wasn't any bigger than 110 pounds or so, soaking wet, she, little thing. She just reaches across the counter, and she grabs him by the hair, and she smacks his head down on the counter and slaps him a couple times. It says, sign the check. And so all of a sudden, you see him coming out, out, of, the, out of the bank, and he's got the cash in his hands. And the people from the other bank see him coming out with the money, and they said, did, did you have to sign the check over there? And he said, yeah, I did. And, uh, and they said, well, why did you sign it for them and not for us? And he said, well, they explained it different. 
You see, so I just want you to know, I'm not going to tell you anything that Pastor John hasn't already told you. I'm just going to explain it a little different. So don't get scared. Don't get scared. A fire-breathing Pentecostal preacher up here in a Lutheran church. But, you know, I, I just love, the, I love this passage, actually. And I had kind of been planning a little bit of a different message. But when I was told that this was the, uh, the, the passage that was scheduled in, 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 uh, in the, whatever the books are that they do this stuff in, and uh, I said, you know, I love that passage, and uh, it's something I've been talking about quite a bit just recently with some people, and that is this, is that if, you're, if you're really going to understand the Christian life, you know, as a believer, if you're, if you're going to really live it successfully, one of the very first things you have to do is to embrace the paradox of faith. You know, the very thing, even in, in the children's sermon, that, 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 that salvation cannot be earned. That is a free gift that wasn't free. That Jesus paid everything. He paid the highest cost that could possibly be paid uh, to, to, to have salvation. You know, and you know, even in, in our own financial life, my wife and I have learned that we can't outgive God. That it is in giving that we receive. And, and when you start learning how to be a giver, all of a sudden you really find out that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Because yeah, because then God says that He'll bless that. It's just like anything else that there's the sowing and reap. What do I sow into? And and we and we learn this that in fact the whole new birth that we talk about in, in our Christian faith happens when we're willing to die. Unless you'll take up your cross and follow Him, you cannot be His disciple. You know, if, if I have been crucified with Him, if I have died with Him, then I shall also live with Him. That it's in death that we find new life. And we die to ourselves. And we, you know, we have been crucified with him in baptism, haven't we? Having been died to sin and raised again to live a new life. That's in death that we live. And it's in humility that we're exalted. You know, that the story here of our, of our, uh, that we just read from the gospel message, you know, the, the, the Pharisee and the, uh, the tax collector. You know, first of all, I want to say the Pharisees, for most Christians that have been in, uh, have heard a lot of sermons, you've already kind of got a, the Pharisees put into a bad category because the Pharisees that, are, that we talk about most of the time are the ones that were always giving Jesus all the trouble and that he called hypocrites and whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones, which is, in that day was a really bad thing to say to somebody, I'm pretty sure. You're a whitewashed sepulcher full of dead man's bones. Yeah. Oh, yeah? You know, I'm sure that they didn't like it when, they, when he said that to them. And uh, the, their comeback was, oh, yeah. But, uh, you know... Th- have many of the Pharisees believed on Jesus. And being a Pharisee in and of itself was not necessarily a consignment to being the bad guy. You know, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And one time when Jesus was preaching and he was talking about that, unless you eat my, my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. He said, this is a hard teaching. He said, but they were divided. Some of them believed on Jesus. So I just, I just want to give the Pharisee a fair shot here. Because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bash him in a little bit, this particular Pharisee. And, and so I want to give Pharisees just in general a fair shot. Because this is the guy that maybe even in your church that, that, that is always there. He, he, he's the guy that helps with, with whenever you're having, uh, you know, he's, he's cleaning up the mess after all the candy that fell off of the trunks of the cars and stuff like that. Not just the candies, but the wrappers I'm talking about. You know, and, you know, he's the guy that comes to work all the time. He pays his tithes. 
you know, he's, he's a faithful giver. He shows up to every little thing. And uh, he, is the, he is the guy that would win the, the award for, for, the, for the greatest servant in the church, even possibly. So this is a very religious person. But just like in the book of Revelation, when he said, he said, you've done all the right things. I know your works. You've done all the right things. But you've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten your first love. And that's what we're really going to get to with this Pharisee. And that's what he was like, that he had forgotten his first love. And of course, the tax collector, you know, today, you know, we, how many of you like the IRS? I mean, how many of you get like, oh, good, it's tax season. You know? <laughs> Oh boy, I can't wait, you know. And, uh, you know, oh, oh, look, they took some extra out of my check this week. Oh boy, you know, it's a great thing, you know. But, you know, the tax collectors there were much worse than anything that we have today, and, and that these were guys that were all uh, Jewish uh, by birth who were commissioned by Rome to collect the Roman taxes. And the way the system worked was this, is that, that they would, uh, were given a specific amount. Rome had an idea, okay, you've got this many people in your community, I expect you to come up with this much. And uh, as long as you, whatever you come up with, anything over that amount, you get to keep. And so if you, know, if you read even like Zacchaeus, remember how wealthy he was, and when he came to Jesus, he, gave, he, gave, he doubled everything back. He really gave back, he was really uh, transformed. Matthew, uh, the, we get, we've got one of his books, I don't know if you read it, it's the first one in the New Testament. He was a tax collector, you know, and so, but he was a really bad guy. It's so, so, that, so much so that when they, when they even talked about him, they say he, they would, the Pharisees would talk about he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They were a whole category of sinner all to themselves. I mean, because they were so hated. I mean, sinner, you understand, everybody's, you know, I think even back then everybody understood that we're all sinners and to some degree or not. But these tax collectors, this is the worst of the worst. These are the guys that are ripping us off, getting rich on us because of Rome. And they're exploiting us. And so now these are the two guys that go into the temple to pray. I just want to make sure that you understood that these are the two guys that go in there to pray. And of course, the Pharisee, he's thinking to myself, you know, thank you, Lord, that you didn't make me like him. And I'm going to tell you something, don't say, I know every one of you is like, you're saying, yeah, I can, what a jerk, you know, you're, you're, a lot of you are thinking like that, but let's face it, that for most of you, there are people that, that you see almost every day, and you think, oh man, I'm glad I'm not like that guy, you know, what a, or you know, you probably even watch some of the political commercials, and you say, oh, thank goodness, I'm not like that guy, and I don't care which side you're on, I'm so sick and tired of those things, how many of you would agree that we're all sick and tired of it? Because you know if the other guy is elected that we're all going to die. <laughs> That's a fact. And they're going to come and eat your children. If, if, if he, it's a horrible thing if the other guy is elected. But there are people that we look at every day with a self-righteousness. And we think, oh, I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm glad I'm not like that. And he, all this guy was doing was honestly expressing that to God. I'm so glad that I'm not like that. But you see, now his, his relationship with the Lord had become a, 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 a competition with somebody he knew he could beat. I'm a chaplain at senior living. Every now and then when I see somebody with a walker in the hallway, I'll say, do you want to race? And uh, they always seem to turn me down. But... I know I can beat him. 
you know, especially if they're in a wheelchair, unless it's one of those motorized ones. But, you know, I know I can beat the guys in the wheelchair, too. So, you know, I want to, you know, I can, when I compare myself to them, I'm going to win every time. I'm going to win every time. But you see, we don't, we, we, we so quickly forget what is that first love that we talk about is when we realize that it was the love of God was the only hope that I had for eternal life. That I was, you know, Billy Graham said, uh, when he was talking about evangelism, he said, he said, I can't get them saved until I get them lost. And so sometimes, you know, people to forget that they're a sinner saved by grace. Even, even in the church, there are people that forget, you know, you know, they think, you know, I'm doing all the right stuff. God's got to be pleased with me. I go to church every Sunday. I hardly ever miss, except for when I felt relatives are in town or when I go on vacation or when there's something on TV or there's a good football game early. <laughs> there's only a few exceptions when I don't go to church. And God knows how good I am and what a righteous man I am. And so, you know, but now that tax collector... He knew. And I've had the, the blessing of I've been able to go into some of the worst places on the planet. When I was in, and I was in an area in Portugal when I was on a mission trip where we went into a slum there where people were literally were shooting up heroin on the streets. And we were out there preaching the gospel. And I'm going to tell you, when we preached the gospel, we didn't have any trouble convincing them that they were sinners. Every one of them knew that they needed a Savior. And they were trapped, hoping for some kind of hope that we would offer them. But you see, we need to all see ourselves in the same way. I had a, a man in my church when I, in my very first pastor, and I think there was a gift of God for me. This guy was, he was 82 years old when he passed away, but he was 80 years old when he started coming to my church. And he was a retired pastor, and he started serving God, never went to seminary, never went to even college. He became a preacher when he was 20 years old back in the in the day when, when he could do that, become a preacher without going to college, you know. And, but he, for 60 years, he'd been faithfully serving God. You know, this, he was like the male version of Mother Teresa. I'm telling you, this guy was just the kindest, most wonderful Christian man I've ever met in my life. And, but every time I would preach on the cross, every single time I preached on the cross, he sat third row on the aisle, piano side, and I would look down, and if I sang a song about the cross or anything, I'd look over and there'd be Maynard Fischel with tears just running down his cheeks. See, he knew, even after 60 years of faithful service, that he was a sinner. And I've learned this, that when I get close to, closer and closer to Jesus, the closer I get to him, the more aware of how sinful I am. Get away from me. I'm I'm. I'm, I'm I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I'm undone in his presence. You see, in Philippians, even Paul, the great apostle Paul, he said, I'm everything that I ever was. He said, according to religious, basically, he said, according to the religious standards, he said, I was faultless. He said, but it's all garbage to me. The old King James says, it's dung. He said, but I, but I want to have a righteousness that's by faith in Jesus. I want to know what that righteousness is like. I'm going to forget everything else that I've ever done. And I just want to have that righteousness that says, I'm putting all my hope, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket, that Jesus Christ died for me and he covered my sins. And that because of him, I can stand before God. Not because of any righteousness of my own, but because of the grace and the love and the mercy of God.
alone can I stand. I want to have, and he says, not that I've attained to any of this. He said, I haven't even attained yet. I, I would think that by then Paul was maybe one of the most righteous guys you'd ever want to meet. But he even knew that he still wasn't where he should be yet. He said, but I'm going to press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm going to press on. I want to, have, I want to press on. I want to get a little bit closer to Jesus. I want, to, I want that righteousness that is by faith to become a little stronger, a bigger part of my life, that when I stand before God, I'll know that everything that I am and everything that I've ever become is because of his grace for me. You need to know this, that the scripture says over and over again that pride comes with disgrace, but humility comes with wisdom. We all have said, you know, that, uh, that, uh, that pride goes before a destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God, but how about this? But God opposes the proud. He opposes. The, you want to get God on, uh, on the other side? I want God on my side. I think about a good football illustration. I'm gonna, I, you know, by the way, what, I'm, I'm coming to a conclusion real soon here. Yeah, you've all heard that before, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I think of the great football, you know, there's no football game today, so I'll give you a little football illustration today to give you, hold you over until next week. And, and that is, you know, I, I was watching uh, the other day some of the highlights, and they were showing Delvin Cook coming running around on the left-hand side, and Christian Derisaw, this our new left tackle, this guy's a beast of a man, you know. And I watched him just plow this guy over. And, and the guy just went kind of flying backwards, and, he, and you could just see him. He was like a heat-seeking missile. He turned around, and he looked over, and he, and he went going over, and he knocked over this linebacker. And I thought, and, and there's Delvin Cook just running unscathed. And I thought, you know, that's having that big guy on your side. But I just, how would you like to be on the opposing side of that? Because that's what God says. He opposes. And, you know, and I'm going to tell you, God is much bigger than Christian Derisaw. Even though he's a beast of a man, he's only a man. I want God on my side. I, I, he said he's with the humble. He exalts the humble. He's going to make you look better. But he opposes you. He's on the other side if you're proud. Let me just say this, though. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. You don't have to beat yourself and say, oh, I'm just a worthless scumbag. I'm really, I'm horrible. I'm stupid. I'm nothing, you know. That's not humility. That's a false humility. Humility is thinking about yourself less. When you get your eyes off of you, get yourself your eyes on Christ, and through Christ's eyes, you look at others. That's humility. That's humility. So the question is this, will you judge yourself? When you go into the, to the presence of God, when we come to communion, it said, if we judged ourselves, we would not come under the judgment of God. Humble yourself before his mighty hand. Humble yourself before him and say, Lord, what is it? What, what, is there any wicked way in me? Show me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in paths of righteousness. That's our prayer. That's the humble prayer. And if we do that, he says this, if we confess our sins, that word confess there is homologeo, it means the same words. If I say the same thing about what my life is that God says about it, if I confess my sin, 
He's faithful and just and to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So the tax collector, have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, O God. What a great prayer for any one of us at any time. Have mercy on me, O God. Because we know even the violent, this one to him says this, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Amen? The vilest offender. So look at the person next to you and say, there's hope for you. Yeah, yeah. The vilest offender that truly believes that moment from Jesus. I was talking to my, uh, my chaplain supervisor, who, a Lutheran pastor, and he, and he shared his message for today, which is also on the same passage. And in it, he quoted from Rock of Ages. That's why I asked him to put it on here. I love what it says in, in, in that hymn. It says, in my hand, no price I bring, only to the cross I claim. Amen.